welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford and Woking in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. So uh, today is a little bit different. It's a 24-7 prayer Sunday, and what that means is we are part of this, what it's so easy to forget is we are part of this extraordinary global movement of prayer that began in a seaside town 20 years ago this year, and that has shaped uh, the church, has shaped nations, and has reawoken, uh, not single-handedly, but along with other uh, ministries has reawoken within the church a passion for prayer, a passion to be with God, a passion to see what would happen if we give him space to move amongst us. That's why we go to wildfires, because we're part of the 24-7 prayer boiler room network. That's why we're so keen that you come, so that you get to see and understand and step in more fully into the story that we're all a part of. So uh, what's going to happen is I'm going to interview Pete and uh, our friend Carla Harding, Um, So let's give them a warm welcome as they come up to join me. Come and take a seat. I'm glad you got the memo, by the way. Ooh! Yes. On point, Winning is winning. Mm -hmm. That's right. Good. Pete, you didn't get the memo? Pete did not get the memo. No. No. (laughs) That's that's good. That's good. Ever the individual. So, um, Carla is here. Now, Carla, just tell us a little bit about your job, uh, what it means, how that has informed what we're now a part of. Wow, big question. Uh, So, hello, everyone. It's lovely to be with you here. I have many friends in this church, so I'm very happy to be here this Sunday. You feel like family. Uh, My husband and I are here with our two kids. We hail from the little seaside town that Bill just mentioned, Chichester, on the south coast. Uh, I I serve the national team, Great Britain for 24-7 prayer, and I help people pray across the nation, which is my great pleasure. Brilliant. So now that we've just heard a little bit about you, um, let's just watch a video quickly about 24-7 prayer. So, Pete, um, we've seen a little bit about uh, what 24-7, some of the things that 24-7 prayer do, and I know that the kind of the strap line is to revive the church and to rewire the culture. Just tell us a little bit about uh, how it started 20 years ago and what you see happening now. Uh, yeah, well, we, we, as many people know, um, we started one prayer room because we realized, um, you know, we're not really into prayer. It's, this isn't about prayer. This is about what happens between you and God and helping you to grow in the most important relationship of your life that defines everything else about you, your marriage, your work, your future, what happens after you die. And so um, I, I think for us, prayer is about that that encounter with God. So with Sammy on the front row here, my wife, wonderful wife, if, if we have a marriage certificate. I can show you appalling photographs of my hairstyle on our wedding day. We've got all of that. But if you heard that I wasn't talking to her, wasn't listening to her, we, I, I was, wasn't spending time with her, you would question our marriage. 
And the same way you can have done Alpha, got baptized, joined a collective, you know, got uh, all that stuff. But it's all about your relationship with God. And so we want to help you uh, to grow in listening to him and talking with the Lord and, and understanding that you're loved. Um, the way it started, therefore, is, is 20 years ago, we realized prayer is the key to everything. And we're bad at it, which is a problem. So we started this prayer room, and it just began to spread. We were absolutely amazed. People started to have the most incredible encounters with God in that prayer room. And then others started to hear about it around the country, and then in other countries. And for a while, we thought, maybe this is going to go on for a whole year. That was incredible. And now here we are about to celebrate our 20th anniversary. We're in over half the nations on earth. And one of the most key moments uh, was when we finally decided this is a thing. As something is happening. This is extraordinary. We ought to give it a name. And so with no imagination at all, we decided to call it 24-7 Prayer. And then um, we, Ian Nicholson, who's li- obviously living here in Guildford, said, uh, you know, uh, why don't you come and do an official launch of, of this thing that's starting? And so we, as many of you know, gathered in Bojangles nightclub, spitting distance, uh, from where we are now, and uh, and hundreds gathered, and a, a, a red moon rose in the sky, and we, we thought about Joel's prophecy about the end times when people call out to God, and the Spirit is poured out on all flesh, and, and so I wrote a book called Red Moon Rising, and Bojangles has now been knocked down, which is the grace of God. Uh, <laughs> it, it was a portal to the underworld, almost certainly. Um, just a bad place at every level, but um, but the movement continues and is growing very fast all around the world to this day. And so, Carla, you're the national director. So, um, tell us how you got involved and um, and what you see sort of happening now. Ooh. So I was a university fresher, a student in that first prayer room Pete's describing. I was 18 years old. I'd moved from the Midlands to Chichester. I had chosen my church because exciting things seemed to be happening there and because there were many good-looking men in it. Uh, Excellent reason to go to church. Um, And I turned up for my first Sunday, unbeknownst to me, I think you were about a week and a half or a week or two into the first ever 24-7 prayer room. And I sat in the room, and one of my clearest memories of my first day at church is a notice that jumped out at me from the front, and it was this. Who's going to pray from 3 till 4 a.m.? And I thought I must have misheard them (laughs) because I'd never heard of this before. That kind of prayer happens in China or Asia or Africa. It does not happen in the UK. Um, And I heard again, no, no, someone was trying to convince us to sign up and go to a prayer room at 3 to 4 a.m. And honestly, I sat there terrified because I felt like one of my greatest... Secrets in Christianity was about to be exposed, and that was that I was really, really bad at prayer. I found it really hard, um, and so I avoided the prayer room like the plague for many weeks until a dear friend invited me to come and just look around during her prayer hour. So no pressure won't break the chain of prayer if I fall asleep in the prayer room, uh, and to try seeing what praying there could be like. One of the things I really struggled with in prayer was focus. Does anybody here struggle with focus in prayer? 
I still do, complete confession, still a challenge in my prayer life. But I, I'm an extrovert. I'm easily distracted. There's loads of thoughts spinning around in my head. So when I would try to pray, I'd manage a few minutes before I started thinking about lunch. So um, going into the prayer room, I thought, I can't possibly pray for an hour. Who here has prayed for an hour in your prayer room? I know you do them regularly. What I was shocked by was how fast an hour went by. I walked into the prayer room expecting to fulfill my Christian duty, to learn, to pray, to be there, to do my good work, part of the church. But what I found wasn't a duty, but a person. I found the presence of God waiting for me. And it was like he was saying, Carla, I've been waiting for you to show up. Here's the place. This is your classroom. Let's learn to pray together. And through the Holy Spirit, I went around all the different prayer stations in the room. I thought, okay, well, I find sitting and thinking silently hard, so let's try writing. Okay, let's try painting. Stick men were incredible. Let's try, uh, let's try singing. Let's try moving. Let's try interacting. Let's try holding. Let's try tasting. Where's my language for connecting with God, for pouring out the things that I'm concerned about, for hearing his voice? And... Uh, no hyperbole. My first 10 minutes turned into two hours. Actually, most of it spent on my knees, overwhelmed by the presence of God. And that prayer room that went for three months and many subsequent ones became my classroom. And I have learned, alongside many others, how to pray by praying. And it, it's had a profound effect on my life. I turned up as an 18-year-old, leaving a Christian family behind, asking the question, how important is my faith to me? And uh, I found my answer in the prayer room by finding a way to keep my faith going, my conversation, my relationship going day to day between church meetings and events. Suddenly God was getting a say into all parts of my life. And I got caught up in the movement and I have been part of it ever since and absolutely love it. And I love seeing churches and people have that light bulb moment where they realize, hang on, I was made to connect with God and to spend time with him. And maybe, just maybe, I haven't found my language yet, but I've got a big invitation to experiment and learn. And so what would be, give us like your best two minutes in terms of what the best lesson that you've learned in the last 15 years. Two about, minutes? Yeah. I'll give you maybe three. Okay, okay, okay. A couple of summers ago, I was going through a period of time where I wanted to learn to listen to God more. I found it quite hard to hear God's voice at the time. So I was getting up early in the morning to pray, but I'm not a morning person. And I sat up in my bed. And as I sat in my bed, just trying to wake up, two things popped into my head. The first was, read 1 Kings 19. And the second was, think of your son, Jackson. So I thought this must be God, because I don't think clearly before tea in the morning. Uh, so I opened up my Bible, and 1 Kings 19 is the story of a man called Elijah, who's running from his, for his life away from people who want to kill him. He's a prophet. He runs to a mountain to find God. He's hiding in a cave, and God says, I'm coming. I'm coming to meet you. This is a gross generalization summary of it. Go read it. It's amazing. Uh, and uh, he waits in the cave for God to show up in a special way. And it says there's earthquakes, and you think, whoa, this must be the presence of God. But Elijah knows, nope, God's not in the earthquake. Then there is a, there's like a big wind, and, and, and surely this is the dramatic showing up of God. But Elijah's like, nope, he's not here yet. And then there's fire, surely this is it. No. And then there's silence and a whisper. And Elijah goes out to meet with God. And I'm reading this passage and going, okay, I've always found this one weird. Like, what's wrong with the earthquake, the fire, and the wind? 
They're pretty dramatic encounters, right? That'd be a great place to meet with God. But as I remembered, as I was thinking about that, I remembered the second part. Uh, Think of your son, Jackson. So my son, Jackson's here this morning. He's six years old. And at the time, when he wanted to tell me that he loved me, he'd tell me that he had something to whisper in my ear. He'd come up to me and be like, Mom, I've got to whisper something to you. And my heart would melt every time because I knew what he was going to say. But I'd bend down and he'd go, I love you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, as a mum, like, oh. and I couldn't help but like being so close and looking in his eyes and he's beaming to turn around and whisper back, I love you. Now, I'm a doer. I'm somebody who likes to-do lists. I like activity. I like action. So I apply that to my prayer life. I like have an agenda when I go into prayer, and I, I try to do this, that, and the other. But God, that morning, arrested me with the knowledge that he just wanted me to put those things aside and to listen for the I love you whisper. That's where Elijah met him in that moment, and that's what he was drawing me into. That relationship, that I love you, which is the starting point, the jumping off point, the sustainer and the end point of everything we talk to God about in prayer. How's that? Is that three That's minutes? pretty good and actually very moving. <laughs> <laughs> I was crying. It moved me. <laughs> oh dear, I cry easily. Um, but that was very moving. Um, Pete, 20, 24-7 has been going for 20 years. What have been some of the um, highlights uh, for you? You're going to be such a sweet old man, Bill. Like, <laughs> don't you think? If I made a little model Bill, I'd want one on my key ring. It'd be so cute. Um, <laughs> what was your question, Bill? <laughs> um, hi- highlights, highlights, highlights. Highlights. Um, Oh, I mean, there have been so many highlights over the years, and I've written some of them down, but one of them would definitely be when I wrote that poem thing in the first prayer room, and then it started to spread, it went viral, and all over the world suddenly, and then there was a week, within a couple of months of writing on the walls of the prayer room, where it was published in the magazine of the Underground Church of China, circulated 100,000 churches, which is millions of believers, and in the very same week, Uh, There were tens of thousands of young people in America who gathered on the Capitol Mall in Washington, D.C., and also uh, used the words of this poem thing. And it was all anonymous. No one knew where it had come from. So I was sitting in like a a warehouse in Chichester, weirdest place on earth, and it's being published in China and used on the Capitol Mall. That was pretty amazing. I, I think another key moment for me was definitely... Um, when we sent our first mission team out, Ian Nicholson was saying, don't just pray a lot, we've got to turn this into mission. It's how the church started. They're there in the 24-7 prayer room, and then that, that they were pushed out onto the streets, and then Rolling Stone magazine, Channel 4, came to make a TV documentary, and th- that was an amazing moment. And probably uh, more recently was when uh, Justin Welby, Archbishop of Canterbury, said, hey, why don't we try and fill cathedrals with people praying, turn these tourist attractions back into places of pilgrimage and prayer again. And that was three years ago at Pentecost, Thy Kingdom Come, five cathedrals. Uh, and 
by uh, last year, we'd spread to, uh, I think it was 1.4 million people in this country coming together to pray, come Holy Spirit, let your kingdom come in cathedrals around and, and, and so many countries all around the world. And, and we're about to come up to the next one. There's going to be an event in, in Guildford Cathedral I'm involved with there, but uh, that's been a pretty amazing moment. There, there'll be three highlights. Brilliant. So, Carla, um, loads of people are using the new Inner Room app. Tell us a little bit about it and tell us how it came about. So, uh, we, uh, many people, like me, we discovered, find focus and prayer hard. Uh, one other thing I find really difficult is turning my good intentions of what I'm going to pray for into actual prayer. So, for example, I have a friend who would say to me, oh, I've got a job interview on Tuesday. Will you pray for me? And I'm like, yes, sister, I am with you. I will be praying. And it gets to Wednesday afternoon, and I'm like, God, <laughs> how does the whole outside of time thing work? <laughs> I totally forgot. <laughs> um, so I used to have a complicated system of like using my calendar and phone alarms and my journal and everything. Uh, and I, we thought there's got to be a simpler way of organizing this. How do we help people focus when they want to pray for yeah. the things they want to pray for? And how do we help them capture the things they really want to pray about and remember to actually do it? So we figured... One of our biggest distractions, this little puppy, could be turned into something. That's a phone for people who are listening, not an oh, actual sorry, puppy. Oh, sorry, yes. I waved my phone. <laughs> How could a phone be turned into a tool for prayer rather than an distraction from it? So we created this, the Inner Room app. It creatively captures with pictures the things you want to pray for. And then it helps you by guiding you through prayer times for one thing or five things or for a period of time either by looking at your phone or having Siri read you your prayer requests or the Android equivalent. And it's, it's been amazing. It was a simple idea. Uh, we've put it out there, and the feedback has been incredible. It's been really helpful for us to develop it. We've got tons of plans. But really, it's, it's a tool to help you take the things you want to pray for and then build your daily discipline of Brilliant. actually praying for and them. And it's, it's in the iTunes Yep, on App, App Store, Store and, and Google and Play, Google Apple Play. and Android. Brilliant. And Pete, you've just written this uh, this brilliant book, How to Pray, which I have really, really enjoyed reading. Just um, tell us, how's it going, and you know, why did you write it? Um, well, you know, Nicky Gumbel, who wrote the foreword, very kindly to the book, it does a daily devotional called Bible in One Year. It has two million users. Many of you, I'm sure, use it. And every day, there's kind of a headline, there's a theme. And one of the days in the 365 of the year is entitled How to Pray. And he said to me, as after I'd written the book, he said to me, Pete, the single most downloaded day every single year in the world is the one entitled How to Pray. Uh, and it's not unlike some weird religious day. It's just on a normal day. So it's real empirical proof that this is the question that Christians are asking more than any other. Help me in my re relationship with God. Help me grow. Help me hear God. Help me deal with my unanswered prayers. Help me see more power, more miracles as I pray, and so on. And, um, so, so, and that's been our experience. All around the world, people are saying we need help in this area. And it's a 2,000-year-old question the disciples said Jesus teaches to pray. So with our 20th birthday coming up, we thought it's probably time to get two decades of learning and many mistakes and all the rest of it and try and put it together in a, in a single book. 
And I think one of the things we wanted to do was give the full menu of prayer. So in there, you've got, you know, sections on asking God about stuff, uh, spiritual warfare, contemplative prayer, just the full, all the extremes. And a lot of the books will just focus on one or the other, but it's, yeah. it's kind of, it's all in there. So, so that was it. And, and I, I said that it's the question Christians are asking more than any other, but we've actually written it as something for people coming off Alpha, maybe even non-Christians, because... All the surveys say that uh, most non-Christians pray. Uh, even quite a high number, surprisingly high number of people who call themselves atheists still admit to praying, which is really interesting. And, and I think that's because in my own life, when I first held our two sons, I prayed. Like, I, I said, wow. You know? And, and, and the, the, the time when we were, Sammy and I were in the Highlands of Scotland and I saw the Northern Lights... I didn't stand there going, I'm incredible. <laughs> I, I looked at them and said, God, you're amazing. And then the time where in Southampton General Hospital, Sammy was being wheeled off down the corridor for surgery. We didn't know at the time she'd survive. You better believe I prayed. And that wasn't me doing some religious thing. It's because I'm just, life is scary and amazing. And, and somehow I need God. And, and so we all pray, but we want to grow in it. And the book is, is trying to help a little bit with that. And it dovetails with the prayer course. There are videos for each chapter as well. Um, so let's just hear a little bit um, of it. This is the story of the time you went on holiday with uh, the Thomases, who are members of our church. And uh, you were, well, let's hear, let's, hear from, let, let's hear a section of the book. Thumbs up, Josie. Oh, sorry. Ka-ching. <laughs> 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 Some of our closest friends invited us to join them in Croatia, sailing a catamaran around the Adriatic. It was to be the holiday of a lifetime. By day, we plowed through sapphire seas under powder blue skies, weaving in and out of the dramatic Cornati archipelago. At night, we moored in perfect coves, diving, swimming, and playing cards by lamplight under the brightest stars you ever saw. It was a magical week. One evening, we dropped anchor in a particularly beautiful natural harbour and the kids dived into the sea as usual. By the time we'd hauled them out, wrapped them in soft towels and settled down to supper, dusk was bathing the entire bay in a golden sheen. Everyone looked relaxed, tanned, happy. Everything was perfect until a dark, swirling cloud of mosquitoes materialized above our heads. I'm aware, as I recount this story, that you may not be entirely sympathetic to our plight. You may even be thinking, good. <laughs> and praising God for those mosquitoes. But back on the boat, 
we most definitely were not. In fact, my friend James immediately began to pray against them. Lord, he said, lifting one hand like Moses preparing to part the Red Sea and using the other to swat his face, we ask you to just remove these wretched mozzies right now in the name of Jesus. Everyone else on the boat, two mums, five kids, heartily agreed with this prayer. Their eyes were closed, heads nodding, hands raised to rebuke Satan's little airborne militia. <laughs> but my eyes were not closed. My head did not nod because it seemed such a silly prayer. For three important reasons. My first objection was theological. God must surely be a bit too busy with big world problems like the Middle East and wars and famine and stuff to worry about optimizing the al fresco dining arrangements of posh people on yachts in the Adriatic. <laughs> My second objection was environmental. Mosquitoes are presumably part of God's finely tuned ecological order. And Christians aren't immune from the laws of nature. We don't surrender our insect repellents at conversion. We don't rise from the baptismal waters and keep rising, liberated from the laws of gravity. My third objection was pastoral. Our kids were joining in with James's prayer. And so when, not if, it didn't work, tiny grains of doubt and disappointment would surely be sown into their impressionable minds and they would grow up to become Satanists. <laughs> and so, as everyone else prayed, rebuking the spirit of midginess in the name of Jesus, I smiled stoically, swatting mosquitoes until they all said, Amen. But as they did so, the most annoying and unfortunate thing occurred. At that precise moment, a gentle breeze arose and swept the mosquitoes away to some other doubtless less prayerful boat. <laughs> A chorus of praise erupted from our boat. Everyone was suddenly grinning and thanking God for hearing their prayers, for caring about his kids, and yes, for making the nights perfect 
al fresco dining arrangements just that little bit more perfect. <laughs> to this day, I don't know whether that was an actual proper answer to prayer or just a well-timed meteorological fluke masquerading as one. But this I do know, and I know it for sure. When you pray about the small things in life, you get to live with greater gratitude. If you only ever pray about big, ugly, gnarly problems that seem onerous and serious enough to warrant divine intervention, you will only very occasionally experience miracles. But when you learn to pray about trivia, ridiculous incidentals like lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil midges, and even inevitabilities like give us this day our daily bread in a land that's full of the stuff, you start to notice how many minor miracles are scattered abroad in the course of an average day. As Archbishop William Temple famously said, when I pray, coincidences happen. When I stop praying, the coincidences stop happening. It is by asking more for lesser things that we rediscover how to live with the wide-eyed wonder of children. By filling our days with tiny prayers, we relinquish our sense of entitlement and receive each detail as a blessing. Each coincidence as a minor miracle training our neural pathways to rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So, um, Pete, the uh, book is based around the acronym P-R-A-Y, Pray. Just tell us about that. Sure. Uh, yeah, it stands for Pause, Rejoice, Ask, Yield. And so this is just a shape for our prayer times. Uh, you know, that moment that you're sitting in a prayer room, you're 
alone with God and you're, you, you, you're, you're trying to think, what do I do now? This is a, a key. And I, it seems to me very strange that the, the only thing like that out there to help people historically has been acts. I don't know if anyone remembers that. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. Give me a wave if, if you're familiar with that. And like literally no one uses the word supplication. And yet we teach this to children. It's ridiculous. So I sat down and thought, there's got to be some simple thing that can help people like me in the prayer. So I, I, I do use this and pause, be still and know that I am God. You know, just pause and be still. Don't rush in with your shopping list. Rejoice. Spend a little time counting your blessings, giving thanks, reading a psalm, listening to some worship music. Ask. That's the bit we're all good at. Here's all the stuff I need God to do. You can use in a room uh, and all the rest of it. And then yield. That's that bit where we, we surrender afresh to God. We say, what are you saying to me? Speak to me. Maybe we confess some sin in if the things we're aware of that we're ashamed of in our lives. Uh, and we just say, God, you're in charge, I'm not. Help me to live for you today. And so I had a mum two weeks ago say, I tried your P-R-A-Y thing with my six-year-old. And she changed the word yield to yes, which is much uh, simpler. And she said, we, we just paused. So it was cuddles and it was, let's just take some deep breaths. Rejoice, what do we want to give thanks to God for? Ask, uh, what are we asking God for? And then the say yes to God bit was, what might God be telling us to do or to say or to be like tomorrow? And let's ask God to help us. Let's say yes to him about that. And she said, it was the best prayer time I've ever had with my six-year-old. So it's really simple. And my dream actually is long after, you know, we're all dead and buried and people probably aren't even talking about 24-7 anymore. I love to think that children might still be being taught P-R-A-Y. Pause, rejoice, ask you. And you can do this in five minutes or you can do it over a whole weekend. It really does work uh, in your prayer time. So that, that, that and the Lord's Prayer give structure to the book. Brilliant. And, and at the same time as you've been writing this book, um, which will be, it's going to be available outside afterwards for people who they like to buy it. You've got this amazing team of people, Nick Beasley, uh, Georgina Micklewright, Rich Dawson, a whole group of people, and they've been busy updating the prayer course. Um, and we're just going to watch a little clip of that now. So, Pete, you, um, you know, originally uh, the prayer course came out in 2013. Hundreds of thousands of people have uh, watched it, have done it, and many people in this church have done it. So why did you choose to uh, update it and expand it now? Um, partly we wanted, well, we, we were surprised by how it's taken off. We filmed it in a couple of days, I think in a Tolworth Recreation Centre or somewhere, and, um, and it was a little bit back of an envelope. And yet over a million downloads later, we thought we probably ought to you know, sort this out. There are definitely episodes where I hadn't looked in the mirror before um, filming. The, the, Fantastic the, shirt as that, well. Yeah, was a moment, yeah, the, the, morning, the morning of going to film, I got out my email to find out what I was supposed to do. And it said I had to have six different shirts for each of the episodes. And they couldn't be checked or striped. And that basically, or have logos on them, that eliminated like my entire wardrobe. And so I was looking in the in the drills and and trying to find six shirts and there's one that's nestled right at the back of my chest of drawers because Sammy it's such a horrible shirt that Sammy has banned me from wearing it to Tesco's <laughs> and but I looked at it I thought that puppy's coming so so the spiritual warfare session you can no longer see this actually but was filmed in a shirt um, that, that Sammy banned me from wearing to Tesco's that's now been viewed more than a million times sorry 
Sorry, darling. That wasn't our entire reason for refilming. Um, Sam, Sammy did have wardrobe. She took me shopping, actually, before this one. And then, and then, um, and then we, this, this jacket is a result of um, a visit to Zara, which I, I thought was a woman's shop, but it turns out it's men as well. Uh, and, but we, we added it. We, Don't encourage her. Um, but but I, the level of exhaustion that descends upon me when we go clothes shopping, only, only in museums do I have the same sensation of just <laughs> utter exhaustion. Um, anyway, to this day, my jeans, I have a photograph of my jeans label on my phone. I go into Gap and I hand the phone. I say, I want another pair of these, please. Um, and they always look disappointed. But, um, we refilmed the prayer course, uh, but also to add a session on contemplative prayer, um, which is something that we've has become more and more important to us, and to make and to create a session which was a little more accessible to non-Christians and new Christians, and also because we wanted the course to dovetail in a little bit better yeah. with well with the book that's come out, so that the course and the book fit together. So you can do the course on your own. Uh, in, in your collective, with your family, you watch a video and then there's discussions and Bible studies, but you can go deeper if you'd like to do so using the book. So the idea is that they fit together. That's brilliant. And we're going to really, as a church, we're really encouraging collectives uh, this term uh, to follow the prayer course and, and to read the book as well. It's brilliant to have something that goes... I've not, I can't remember the last time I saw, came across a resource where there's a really brilliant book that you can then watch a video on to really help you. It's brilliant. Um, so, um, Carla, 24-7 was recently a major partner with Spring Harvest, uh, with a major focus on prayer. Uh, so tell us, as the national director, uh, what you're excited about at the moment and what you see God doing in our nation. Oh, good question. I think... There's a few things I'm seeing across the church. Now, I don't know about you guys, but when I come to pray for the UK right now, hope isn't the overwhelming feeling that I have when I enter prayer. We're in a lot of uncertainty, aren't we? Politics seems a little bit messy, no matter what side of the debate you're on. Uh, there seems to be a lot of challenge, a lot of uncertainty going forward. But actually, when I look at the church, I see a lot of hope. Now, Spring Harvest was incredible. It was their 40th anniversary year, and they decided to dedicate the whole year to prayer, that whole event. And there were people from across the church, you know, Redeemed Church of God, Baptist churches, Methodist churches, Anglican churches, Free churches, all kinds of churches were present. And the thing I felt the most in the week I was there was hunger for mm. God across the church. There was a real sense of God's spirit, of people being told up in prayer because they were hungry for him. It was beautiful. That was like a, a snapshot, a microcosm of some stuff we're seeing across the nation, broader than 24-7, 24-7 is part of it. But prayer and a hunger for God is rising in our church. Yeah. We've been going 20 years, and last year we knew of more 24-7 prayer rooms in the UK and across the world than the year before. Amazing. Prayer is swelling. Yeah. We, I was just had the privilege at uh, Spring Harvest actually getting to know some of the leaders in the regime, redeemed church of God. And when they call a big prayer meeting, like <laughs> in my church, if I call a big prayer meeting and 30 people show up, I'm like, score. But when they call a big prayer meeting across the network, yeah. 40,000 of them gather in London to pray. 
It's incredible. We've had the pleasure of serving the Archbishop of Canterbury in his call to thy kingdom come, which is his invitation to the whole church, not just the Anglican communion, to gather together, to take Pentecost as an opportunity to pray for God, fill me with your spirit and help me share Jesus. And Lord, Help the people I care about who don't know him yet understand how great he is and how much he loves them. And that has been amazing. Like last year, I think it was over a million people in the UK alone prayed around Pentecost. That's just three different examples of how we're seeing prayer and a hunger for God rising. And it's not in Asia. And it's not in, well, it is, but it's not just in Asia. It's not just in Africa. It's in the UK. It's fantastic. And prayer is leaving our churches. One of the things I love is the prayer spaces and schools movement. Has anyone here, I know you've had some here in Guildford. Has anyone been involved in them at all? Yes, a few people here. Brilliant. So these are, um, we've had in the last 10 years, over 4,000 classrooms in primary and secondary schools turned into prayer rooms that look similar to the ones you have here at Emmaus. And then children and young people of all faiths and none have an opportunity to come in and explore their big questions and their big spiritual dilemmas and try praying. We reckon over a million children and young people have done that in schools in the last 10 years, in this country as well as around the world, which is incredible. So even though you might look at our nation and think, oh, politically or economically or whatever, and our social challenges, we're seeing a lot of challenge right now, a lot of uncertainty. But actually, when I look at the church, I see unity, even in our diversity. I see hunger and hope. And I see the church continuing to do what it's always done, but fueled up in prayer, which is serving its community and filling the holes and looking after the most vulnerable, which is beautiful. I am really excited about where God's going with all this. Amazing. And just um, tell us what's on the horizon, what's coming up for 24-7 prayer. So right now I'm working with some dear friends here in this church. Are are Mick and Lynette Brooks here this morning? Are they here? Oh, they're not here in this service. They're doing ready for action. Oh, aren't they brilliant? Okay, so a fantastic couple here in this church who head up a brilliant organization called CWR. I'm working with them, the 24-7 prayer team is working with them, and together we're producing something that we're currently calling 365. It's a, it's a daily devotional resource that will help everybody read their Bible, think about their lives and what it says to them, and pray and talk to God every single day. This year for us has been a bit about how do we take 20 years of experience and put it in the hands of as many people as possible to help you pray. And the app's part of that, the book is part of that, the prayer course is part of that. And this year it culminates at the end of this year with the launch of a new daily devotional resource. We'll also be launching through an app that will just help you prayerfully read the Bible every day. And I am really enjoying working with the books on it. They're amazing. And I think it's going to be a brilliant resource. So, um, Obviously, there's wildfires, there's all sorts of other things, but um, how can we as individuals in this church get more involved with 24-7 prayer? Good question. Three ways. Learn with us. Read the book. Pete won't say this, so I'm going to say it for him. Pete poured himself, the Greg family poured themselves into this book because they released Pete to work incredibly hard, and it's great, guys. I've read it. It moved me to tears. It's brilliant. Read the book, learn with us, do the prayer course in your collectives, learn together. So that's the first way, learn with us. The second is this, practice. 
get into your prayer room. We just had a prayer week here yeah. in Emmaus. Yeah. Next time the prayer room's up, be the first one to sign up for 3 to 4 a.m. Learn to pray by praying in the prayer room. Practice it. Download the Inner Room app and practice every day. God, remind me what are the things you want me to be praying for? Who are the people who need to know Jesus that should be in my app that I should be praying for? So learn, practice, and gather with us. You mentioned wildfires is coming up. Love wildfires. My family will be there. Our church is there. I know many of you are there. If you haven't decided yet, please do come. come. I hate camping. Really, with a passion. It takes a lot to get me camping, but I will camp for wildfires. So come along and join us at wildfires. It's a fantastic thing. But also in October, we're gathering in Belfast for the 24-7 Prayer International Gathering. That's at the end of October. I'm sure there'll be information yeah, and dates yeah. coming around Emmaus. So do gather with us because there's something unique that happens when the people of God travel to be together, to worship together yeah. in unity. God often moves and speaks. So learn with us through the prayer course in the book. Practice in your prayer room with the app and gather with us at Wildfires yeah. in Belfast. Brilliant. And... Um, we don't want money to be a reason why anybody doesn't come to wildfires um, or to the uh, international gatherings. So if money is a concern, there's, you can either be part of a team or um, that we can have bursaries available as well. So please speak to us sooner rather than later if it's about wildfires because we really want you to be there if you can be or, or about the gathering when there's more information about that. Um, let's finish. I just want to pray for 24-7 for you guys. Sam, it'd be great to get you up here as well. Um, and um, well, um, David and Louise, why don't you come up and help us as we pray for 24-7 for prayer and, and for Pete and Sammy and, and Carla as well. Why don't, you, don't be shy. It's a real, you know, he's so self-effacing. But it is an incredible privileged to be led by Pete and Sammy. They are extraordinary, extraordinary people, phenomenal leaders. And let's please, as a church, never forget that. It's so easy to take them for granted. Um, let's start by just giving them a round of applause. Okay, so um, I'll pray, Carly, you pray, and then we'll finish with Dave and Louise if you pray for them. So, Father, we want to thank you for Pete and Sammy. We want to thank you for everything that they mean to us, uh, for the way that they pour themselves out uh, on behalf of you to and for all of us. We are so thankful for them. We pray your blessing on them. We pray your best for them and for Hudson and for Daniel. And Lord, thank you for everything that you have for them as a couple, as individuals, and as a family in the future. We want to pray for them. We want to pray for their leadership of 24-7 prayer. Lord, would you continue to inspire them, uh, to energize them, and to use them to do the same to people all over the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Before I pray for 24-7, I just would love to pray for you guys. 
Lord, I thank you for Emmaus Road. I thank you this is a community at, heart, at the heart of a movement. I thank you, God, that they are people who pursue you in prayer and worship and who love their neighbours through service and mission and justice, Lord. Thank you for them. The prayer I want to pray over you guys is not just that you're all blessed sitting in this room, but I actually want to pray for your kids. I want to pray that your kids would grow up like Samuel in the presence of God. Hearing his voice, hearing his direction for you and your families, for this city and for this nation, Lord. That's the blessing I want to pray on this church. And Lord, we want to pray for the country, not just the 24-7 prayer movement, the churches that are connected to us, but your whole church in this country. I thank you, Father, for your bride in this nation in all its diversity. Lord, would you fill us with your Holy Spirit? Would you teach us to pray your prayers for this nation, your kingdom? your will even when it contradicts our personal opinions because we trust your way is the best and Lord I boldly ask you to bring revival to this nation in the name of Jesus would people know how loved they are how worthy they are would they be embraced into community and cared for father would churches swell and grow because they are full of hope and life in you Jesus amen Yes, Father, I just thank you so much for this incredible movement, Lord God. I just thank you for 24-7, and I pray for every individual involved and every family involved, and I pray that your hedge of protection would be upon them. And Father God, I pray that they would go where you go, Father, that they would hang out where you hang out, Father. And Lord, that they would just be fueled with a passion for the next 20 years and beyond, Father. I pray, Father God, that there would be doors doors open to them, unlike any that have previously been opened, Father. We thank you for your favor on this amazing ministry, Father. We thank you for your heart. We thank you for those who have been faithful, Father. And I pray that you will lead them, that you would walk in the way and that they would go in it, Father, following hard after you, Father. Amen. Amen. Lord, what a privilege to hear the story this morning, how you have worked in and through Pete and Sammy and 24-7 through this church. Lord, I just want to pray that you would give them the desire of their heart, which is to see you move once again, a new movement of your spirit, a fresh uh, touch of your spirit in this nation, and, and from here to many other parts of the world, to every part of the world. Father, I pray that you would take what has been invested in their time, in their uh, uh, energy over these 20 years and give much more fruit than ever they, they expected. Lord, I pray that you would answer their prayers, that you will meet them in new ways, that they would go even deeper. Father, I pray for Pete to have even more revelation and encounter with you, Lord. I pray for Sammy, Lord, to, uh, Lord, enjoy your presence, Lord, her healing. Lord, I pray, thank you for, um, what you're going to do even more through this ministry. But Lord, I pray that they would enjoy you just like they enjoyed uh, you from the beginning, seeking you, meeting with you. Lord, I pray that you would uh, give them the desire of their heart, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.